Welcome to Today on Broadway for Friday, November 3rd, 2017. I'm Broadway World's Matt Tamanini. And I am Broadway Star's James Marino. And I'm Caitlin Milligan with Off the Stage. All right. Uh, first up in the news, the reviews are in for Lincoln Center's Junk. Yeah, last night at the Vivian Beaumont Theater, I had Actar's new play Junk opened, directed by Doug Hughes. The show, which is scheduled to run through January 7th to make way for My Fair Lady, is set in 1984 and centers on the cult of personality that is the world of finance back at the time. Think greed is good and all of that stuff from back then. The show is led by Stephen Pasquale and... I would say that these reviews are better than I anticipated, honestly, based off of the word of mouth that I'd heard coming out of Lincoln Center. I wasn't expecting a whole lot, but other than one gray lady critic, uh, they were all pretty positive. Speaking of Ben Brantley from the New York Times, he wrote, quote, while Mr. Akhtar may have rejected many of the outer trappings of the Wall Street pot boiler, he still hews to many of its cliches. That includes a woman being brought to orgasm by the idea of her decrepit lover's financial power and the anti-hero Merkin, played by Pasquale, solemnly lying to his wife in the manner of Michael Corleone. And while the script offers some amusing lessons in shading language with hopeful-sounding words to pitch a deal, Mr. Akhtar's dialogue dialogue lacks its usual its, its usual original snap. When did money become the thing, the only thing, Teresa Avia Lim's character says in the opening monologue? It's an, it's an ever-intriguing question, but you've heard it before. And for all his intelligence and focus, Mr. Akhtar seldom bucks the formula to provide answers. That being said, Sarah Holdren of Vulture had a pretty different take on the proceedings, writing, quote, Junk's driving tempo, cinematic smash cuts, and clarity of underlying action undoubtedly hold our attention. Director Doug Hughes understands that one of the things Actar is doing in Junk is riffing on Shakespearean history plays. He keeps the action rolling relentlessly forward on an effectively streamlined, compartmentalized set by John Lee Beatty that, not unlike in Elizabethan theater, allows for quick, imaginative shifts in time and space. Sticking with the positive, Adam Feldman of Time Out New York gave the show four out of five stars, saying, quote, Money talks, but in Ayad Akhtar's trenchant junk, people do plenty of talking for it. The playwright has a lot of explaining to do. His subject is the carnivore capitalism of 1980s Wall Street, and he spends much of the play briefing the audience on hostile takeovers and insider trading. But... The details don't feel sweaty. Staged by Doug Hughes for Lincoln Center, whose taste for quasi-documentary epics was also invinced in last season's Oslo, junk melds a breadth of genres, crime story, tragedy, issue play, cautionary tale into a fast-moving, broad-ranging social thriller. And finally, from probably the most appropriate newspaper to be quoting for this show, Terry Teach out of the Wall Street Journal said, Junk is a parable of capitalism and its discontents, whose villain-in-chief is a junk bond salesman named none too discreetly, Robert Merkin. It's performed at breakneck speed speed by a budget-busting cast of 23 actors, an ensemble so huge that it would have taken a Tom Stoppard or a Shakespeare to portray the individual characters as anything other than stick figures. Mr. Akhtar is talented, but not that talented. So the reviews were, I think, on the positive side of mixed, uh, a few notwithstanding. And as I said, I think based off of everything that I'd heard coming into this, my expectations were pretty low for this one. Um, so I'm happy to say that it's getting a better reception than I anticipated. Yeah, uh, I, I exactly agree with you there, that the word of mouth was was warm 
<laughs> uh, that's not, kind. That's not, kind. Not really exciting. Um, and these uh, reviews are much better than I anticipated. I'm looking forward to seeing it now that these uh, these things. And my my wife is looking forward to seeing Stephen Pasquale. <laughs> well, you, James, you've worked in this um, this area, maybe not in 1985. Yeah, you've worked in the in the financial industry, so I think you'll probably maybe even understand it more than others. But I think a lot of, especially what Adam Feldman said, reminded me um, of the oh, what was the movie a couple of years ago? The big Caitlin, you would probably know the big. Oh, it was the financial one that was written by the guy who wrote Moneyball. Uh, the um, big short. Yeah, the big short oh, where Michael you have Lewis? to kind of yeah yeah Michael Lewis it um, because you have to, there's a lot of explaining a lot of of mumbo jumbo and jargon that you have to get through but they're able to deliver it in a way that doesn't feel exclusive to their community and and you kind of are able to understand everything despite all of the craziness yeah i find when you uh have uh whether it be a play television or movie or some other type of thing that is about a uh a, a subset of life, you know, whether it be financial services or if it's, you know, like the television show ER that's about, you know, emergency room or something like that where you can get into uh, a whole vernacular of new language that people speak. Uh, it's best to focus on the relationships to make the show really good. And I think that, you know, shows like The West Wing and ER and uh, Hill Street Blues, the, the big television shows that have been successful have really focused on telling the story of the relationship of the characters and not really focusing on the technical aspects of the trade being, you know, just happens to be the backdrop. Yeah. So, uh, there's a lot of hand, there's a lot of hand waving in those things. It's like, yeah. look over there, there's something else going on, you know, <laughs> so uh, we don't actually have to get into the nitty gritty details. All right. Next up, we have concert news. Broadway stars. We do. To... I'm sorry. What were you going to say? That's all right. I was going to go into it because you normally just say the concert news. I didn't know you were going into that other thing. Okay. So next up in the news, we have some concert news. Yesterday, the New York Philharmonic announced a handful of holiday concerts, including a New Year's Eve Bernstein on Broadway event. On the 12th, 14th, 15th, and 16th, the New York Phil will perform Handel's Messiah. And then on the 17th, they will present Holiday Brass featuring the legendary Doc Severinsen as the guest soloist. He's uh, celebrating his 90th birthday this year, so that would be awesome to see him. But then for our purposes, on the 31st, Annalee Ashford, Christopher Jackson, Laura Osnes, and Aaron Tveit will sing Leonard Bernstein classics from On the Town, Wonderful Town, West Side Story and Candide. Tickets for the New Year's Eve event start at $105 and are available at New York or at nyphil.org. I don't know who owns NewYorkPhil.org, James. Maybe you do. Um, maybe you actually own it. Maybe it points back to Broadway stars. Um, but sticking with the holiday concert theme, yesterday it was announced that 12 Broadway and one off-Broadway shows will perform at the Shops at Columbus Circle on Monday nights beginning on November 13th. The five-week Free public events uh, will take place on the shopping center's second floor, apparently. Uh, I've never been there, so I'm just guessing. Throughout the five weeks, the shows participating will be School of Rock, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, Kinky Boots, the reality show-driven Home for the Holidays, Off-Broadway's Red Roses, Green Gold, Miss Saigon, Wicked, Chicago, Waitress, Anastasia, SpongeBob SquarePants, Once on this Island, and A Bronx Tale. We will have a link in the show notes at broaderradio.com if you want to get more information. But, yeah, this is a cool kind of holiday version of Broadway and Bryant Park. I don't 
and we have that and we have stars in the alley and all these different things that happen when the weather's nice outside. I don't think we've got a ton of these things that happen when it's cold outside or presumably cold outside, assuming global warming hasn't made it, you know, mid seventies in December in New York. <laughs> it feels like we're going to actually hit an 80. <laughs> it is hot here. Could be. All right. Uh, next up, Sherry Renee Scott pens a column on sexual harassment on Broadway. Yeah, yesterday, the great Sherman A. Scott penned an op-ed for Deadline that looked at the ways that sexual harassment and even abuse have seeped into theatrical community so much so that it has become part of the working fabric of the industry. She talks about the incessant comments about women's bodies by producers in the media, the horror stories that she has heard from both male and female friends throughout the years, and the shock that she's experienced when finding out that people she's known, loved, and worked with um, have habitually harassed and abused others sexually and then gotten away with it for years. She says in the article, quote, even our beloved magical community of theater, there's a system of enabling a boys will be boys culture. It's allowed predators to do real long term damage. Theater people are among the most vulnerable. Abusers have no regard for gender, race or age. So the victims are many over many, many years. Towards the end of the piece, she draws a parallel between the current situation that's being discussed so much in entertainment, whether it's Broadway or otherwise. And the people are in the play that she co-wrote with Dick Scanlon called Whirl Inside a Loop. She said, quote, for several years, I've been vocal about the only way I see this getting any better. In fact, Whirl Inside a Loop, to a large extent, is about addictions, about the differences between addicts and predators and the damage both cause to so many people's lives. The enabling of predators in the theater community must stop. Our fear of predators will end only when victims can be confident they'll be heard, not ostracized or at least can choose to come forward anonymously and have their voices count. You know that we've heard so many people talking about this, um, whether it was from Weinstein to the Kevin Spacey thing. Um, we've heard a ton of people doing that, and that's awesome. And while Sherry might not be the biggest name to weigh in on this topic recently, to me, her stature in our community and her willingness to speak up and put her foot down for others uh, will hopefully wake some people up and, and have an impact moving forward. Yeah, uh, and it's encouraging that um, that more people are being able to stand up because it, it victims of this, it gives them uh, another place of refuge and uh, solidarity. And uh, the only way to stop what is going on here, uh, uh, you know, everywhere around the world is to get together as a community and say that we're not going to stand for this. So I appreciate, uh, you know, everybody taking these stands. Uh, we have a trailer released for Barbara Streisand, Barbara Streisand's Netflix special. Yeah, this is one of those things that they're doing a good job of rolling out a little bit at a time. Uh, and yesterday, yeah. Netflix released a two and a half minute trailer that included cameos from Jamie Foxx, Seth MacFarlane, Alec Baldwin, Hugh Jackman, Melissa McCarthy, and of course, everybody's favorite diva whisperer, Richard J. Alexander. No offense <laughs> to uh, Robbie Rizal. He took offense to that when I mentioned that the other day. Um, 
but this is going to be really exciting. The concert, which uh, was part of her tour earlier this year, or late last year, I can't remember which, um, will be released on Netflix on November 22nd. I know, as we've talked about before, I'm not the biggest Barbara fan in the world. Maybe Caitlin's a bigger Barbara fan than I am. But uh, I know there's a lot <laughs> of people out there that are counting down the days uh, just a few weeks away to be able to watch this on Netflix. Caitlin, are you, are you a big Barbara fan growing up in Miami? I can't say I was. Yeah, well, all right. <laughs> we're really striking. We're really striking out on uh, on today on Broadway for Barbara fans. James, you're gonna have to carry the mantle for us. Mm, okay. So uh... <laughs> or not, or not. I mean, I love I like Barbara. I love Barbara. It's just she wasn't like my jam growing up. I was, you know, more into like, yeah, Michael Jackson and Pearl Jam and stuff like that. You know, we, you know. We can all appreciate the enormous talent of Barbara Streisand without yes. having to say that we can recite all of her albums and yeah, shows and things like that. Jingle bell, jingle bell, jingle all the way over. Sorry, okay. I was busting into the jingle bells. The, that's, the, that's the iconic Babs song to me. <laughs> all right, Caitlin, so you're here live. Tell us what's happening off stage over the next week. I will. Hi. <laughs> Happy Friday. Um, I'm back with this week's edition of Off the Stage. And this Friday and Saturday, Linda Edder will be performing at 54 Below at 7 p.m. on both nights. Um, after her previous sold-out runs, she's back at 54 Below for two performances only. Her first show's there since June. And then on Sunday, November 5th, is Puerto Rico Benefit Concert at Triad on Manhattan's Upper West Side. It's hosted by comedian Julian Jones, and the concert features Carrie St. Louis, Julian de Guzman, Sarah Beth Pfeiffer, and more, and they're joining forces to raise funds for those affected by Hurricane Maria in Puerto Rico. The concert will donate 100% of the proceeds to keep restoring our island and to UNICEF. Also on Sunday, at Broadway Girl NYC, also known as Laura Haywood, returns to 54 Below for the 25th anniversary of her first visit to Broadway. She will perform songs that have changed her life over the last two and a half decades and share stories. She has special guests like Nikki M. James and Katherine Gallagher. The 10.30 p.m. show will definitely not be one to miss. At 54 Below on Monday, November 6th, is Women Rock the Vote, celebrating 100 years of women voting in New York. With Broadway stars like Laura Benanti, Leslie Margarita, and more, the show will feature performances that honor and empower women through story and song. Part of the proceeds for the 10.30 p.m. show will go to Racket. On Tuesday, November 7th, performers such as Charles Bush and M Melissa Errico will honor nine-time Grammy winner Joni Mitchell by performing songs from her catalog to raise money for HAL, Emergency Help Project, HELP, also known as, administered by the Actors Fund. HELP provides emergency financial assistance and social service support to artists who have participated in the annual HAL Festival or have made their careers in New York City's East Village and Lower East Side art communities. Tickets for the show, which is produced by Tweed Theatre Works, are $20, and the concert will take place at the Cutting Room in downtown Manhattan. On Wednesday, November 8th, Lion King star Alton Fitzgerald White will be at Barnes & Noble on 86 and Lexington at 7 p.m. to celebrate the release of his new book, My Pride, Broadway's record-breaking Lion King, mastering the life's daily performance. 
My pride draws on White's own life and career and the rich lore of the Lion King. White, Broadway's largest running king, White, Broadway's longest running king, delivers his message of service as a philosophy that anyone can get through each day with satisfaction, pride, and a sense of accomplishment. That's all for this week's edition of Off the Stage. Check back next Friday as I discuss all the exciting events happening off of the Broadway stage. All right. Why don't you get us out of here, Caitlin? Sure. Thanks for listening to Today on Broadway. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Broadway Radio. You can find me on Twitter at Kate Milligan. (laughs) Yes, and you can find me on Twitter at BWW Matt. And my name is James Marino from BroadwayRadio.com and BroadwayStars.com. Thanks for wrapping up the week with us. Uh, Tomorrow, we might have something special for you in the feed. We'll let you know. And on Sunday, we have uh, This Week on Broadway with Peter Felicia and Michael Portantier. And uh, Matt and I will return to talk to you on Monday. We'll see you then. 